This is the podcast for December 28th, 2022, exactly two years after the first stream I am going to share with you. Today's podcast is about Iran's secret plans to make war on the United States. Now, these are several dreams and visions, and you're going to see why they're interesting when you think about the news of today. Now, in this first dream, it starts off, I see President Donald Trump standing behind a podium in a square. Now, let me back up a little bit. This is the topic today because the Holy Spirit told me to discuss this topic today, not because Trump is announcing running for the upcoming presidential election, not because it's the two-year anniversary of the dream I received. I... When I looked it up, I was surprised that it was the same date as today. But here we are. So Trump is there, but the dream isn't really about Trump. It's about his security team. So I see these men, they're planning the security, and they say, listen, we need to widen our circle. So they do that, and they start securing buildings and searching things and making sure that an enemy, a potential enemy, couldn't get any kind of an advantage. I don't know the kinds of things they do, but they were doing all this stuff. Now, meanwhile, unbeknownst to them, the Iranians have sent a man. And later, the dream shows some details about this guy so that I could, if they ever caught the guy, I could have said, that's the guy of the dream. (laughs) And you'll see how detailed the details are about this guy and why it will be easy to spot him if, if he really showed up. So this guy, he goes back and he meets these Iranian leaders. And they have like the traditional uh, head garb, um, some kind of linen wrapped tightly around the top of their head, like the old school Ayatollah crowd used to wear. And he tells me, he says, listen, I looked here and then I looked there and I looked everywhere. You know, there, there are no line of sight. I couldn't get an opportunity. He said, it's, it's not possible for me to get a shot. And they say, oh, no, and these guys are really worried about it. And then they go into hiding. The dream shows that these guys go into hiding. And they're represented by these strange blobs. And, you know, sometimes in the spirit, I see the spiritual condition of a person. Like a, I've seen, I've seen in, the, in the church, like really holy people, like people that you know are good people by not just what they say, but what, how they live. And they've been represented as like these bright white lights. I've heard other people describe this as well in visions. But these guys were like rotten, like yellow, like the color of pus. And this brown color, like the color of, I don't know, dirt or something that gets excreted onto the dirt that's uh, good for fertilizing. I don't know. I'm, it's just dirt, let's say. Pus. Pus and dirt. Rot and decay, right? Three big ones and one little one. Hidden between some trees behind kind of like poured concrete or something, something man-made. I don't know what that symbolism was, but it's always interesting to include the details because when it comes to pass later, then you kind of understand, oh, that's what that was. You know, the disciples, they walked with Jesus and he said things to them, just the way the Holy Spirit shows dreams and visions to we brethren, we saints, we sons of God, children of God these days. And we don't always understand what why that detail was that way. And then when it comes to pass, it's it's a, there's a moment of understanding. Oh, okay. Now I get it. Just like the disciples, now we know what he meant when he said, destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. 
Now they're like, okay, now we understand. So this Armenian guy, well, I, I blew the punchline there. So uh, now it cuts back to this guy and he's, I believe it's in the States, but he's somewhere and he's in like this rented home and there's uh, one bathroom, there's a hallway, you go down the hall if you want to take a shower or use the toilet. And sometime in the night, this guy goes into another tenant's room and tries to steal something. This guy is like an international assassin, but also part-time cat burglar, apparently. And this woman smacks him in the face with something. <laughs> and the next day, they're all, all the other tenants are in the hallway near the entry talking about it. Someone came into a room, tried to steal. Oh, no, boy, what happened exactly? And meanwhile, in walks this guy. When he walks in... Either it's a short doorway, or this guy's like six foot five, something really tall, very tall. Uh, I remember he seemed to be like maybe seven inches short of hitting his head on the top of the door jam. Like this guy was a really tall guy and taller than the other people. And this woman who's telling the story, she sees the bruise on this guy's left cheek and she says, It was him. He was in my room. And they try to get him, and he says, no, 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 you don't understand. And this is how I understand it. This is how the dream conveys, like, this is the guy. And he says, uh, you don't understand. Uh, I'm not afraid of you. He said, I'm an assassin. It's you who should be afraid of me, but don't worry. I'm actually a peaceable guy. So <laughs> he's threatening them, but telling them not to worry. So it's, it's interesting. And then the next part of the scene shows that they're cleaning out the room that he rented or somewhere, but there's like a jacuzzi bath. And there's hair all stuck to it, but in the shape of a man, as if this guy had got into a soapy bath and then his hair stuck to the back, his back hair stuck there or something. And the maid's trying to like spray it off and it won't just come off because it's stuck somehow. So kind of an unclean guy, very tall. He's hairy and he had dark hair and maybe and, and a, a brown skin. So anyway, this guy, uh, this is the guy that the Iranians send to try and shoot Trump. But in the dream, it shows that he can't do it, right? He, he gives up on it. He, he sends a report back like, no, nah, no, nah, I can't do it. So that's just from this same date two years ago. So I'm actually recording this on the 27th, but that's all right. So now I, this next dream set is a big deal. So back in the 80s, this fellow named Wynn Worley, an absolute amazing man of God, was casting out devils. Some Satanists came to kill him three years before he ever even started deliverance, when he was just a regular old denominational Baptist minister, not a big church, nothing special about him. Somehow the devils already knew who he was, and a man came to kill him. A man actually showed him a list years later. The guy said, but uh, what happened was I got saved when I came to the church, and I gave up my life as an assassin for the Satanists. So, and he showed him the list. He had kept it. And when Roy said, but it was three years before I started impacting the kingdom of darkness, casting out devils and binding spirits and teaching others to do the same. He said, so how did they know who I was going to become? Listen, I'll tell you right now how that is. Holy Spirit has showed me somehow the Satanists can communicate information from the future back into the past. Now, I'm not going to get into that, but I, there are some... I, there are some things the Holy Spirit has shown me. But basically, time isn't real. Many of us believe we're coming up into, this is going to be a tough one, so you just take it into prayer. Time ceases to exist during tribula 
during the tribulation period. Read it in the book of Revelation. Don't take it from me. It's in there. That time ceases. Somehow people, I don't know what that's going to look like, but I suspect it's going to be that people will understand that time is not real. This is something the Holy Spirit has shown me many times, many times. Time is not real. It's a conception and our minds are bound, probably by command or act of God. But at some point, he's going to release that and then we'll be able to see clearly and understand that time is not real. But these, these demons who used to be angels, they understand exactly how that works. They have no problem with it. So somehow these people are in communication with demons or fallen angels or whatever, and, they're, and they know who someone is. So they send assassins back in time to kill men of God before they even know, and women, and women of God, before they even know uh, what they're going to do. Uh, okay, I'm going to continue with this a little bit. Holy Spirit's encouraging me. You've seen all these mass shootings. Oh, well, they're, they're, they're leveraging that to take away firearm rights. Yes, that's true. But the other thing they're doing now, they could stage those shootings anywhere, but they don't put them anywhere. What they do is they pick a place where one of these people they want to eliminate is having a lunch or enjoying a concert, and they go there to get that guy. Uh, when I understood this, I thought, well, if that's true, there are probably some who got away. And I went and I started looking up, and sure enough, there are, I found, I think, four, at least three, Cases of people who were at one mass shooting and escaped it. I felt something was wrong. I knew I just needed to leave, so I left the the mall uh, eating area just a minute before the shooter came in. Who I might have passed him on my way out. I don't know. But then shows up to another thing. Rock concert gets killed there. Country western concert. I don't. I forget exactly what what the events were. But I found other people like this as well. They escaped one mass shooting and somehow arrived at another one. Not by accident, because that person was the target. And I looked up all those people. All of them had great faith and were extremely gifted. One, I think one was a journalist. Another was a, a math, mathematician and physics, just out, outstanding in, in academic success. And another one had other skills. Um, one of these families was killed... Uh, these two, these two daughters, one of the killings, they had escaped one. They showed up to the church, and the guy comes right through. Well, no, no, no. The first people, now, this is just a separate incident. Shoot mass killer shows up to a church, and of course, he's one of these guys who shoots himself in the end and uses smoke grenades as part of his attack. So curious that they have so much in common, these different random, supposedly, allegedly, shooters. Shows up, first people he kills, two people in a parking lot. Both young women who have dedicated, in a ceremony, their lives to God. That's, doesn't that sound to you like the kind of a person the devil might want to eliminate? Maybe they were like Sarah Connor. Who knows? The enemy knew. The enemy knew something we didn't. We need to pray more. We need to pray more, my friends. So, when Worley is casting out this devil in the 80s. Boy, the enemy, they hated him. And he taught a lot of people. His name is well known. And his works are studied by those who go against the kingdom of darkness to bind devils, to break their works, listen to the word of God, our general, our commanding general, our Lord, our king and father. 
We take those orders and we hit the enemy and we hit them where it hurts. And then God shows us, this is what I did. And we look it up, and we find it in the news. God takes those prayers and cripples the enemy, sets them back, penalizes them. So Warley's casting out this devil, and it's a tough one. And he finds out that this thing is a prince. It is a high-ranking devil over a large area. And in the conversation, the interrogation that Warley is conducting, this demon tells him that they're planning to start a war between the United States and Iran. You can look it up. There was a period of hostilities, a hot standoff in the Persian Gulf in the late 80s. Iran shot at some American warships. Well, the devil wanted to do that. So when Worley and his congregation they started to pray against that, they came against that in the name of the Lord and they broke it. People, if you never take anything away from me, well, you better be, if you come to listen to me, you better know that you need to know Jesus. And that if you put your trust in him, that is wise. <laughs> that is the wisest thing you can do in this whole entire world, is to put your trust in Jesus. And the next thing you need to know is that prayer can destroy things. That God gave us power. The gates of hell shall not stand against us. God will send angels to tear their trash down, dump it into a heap on the ground. So don't you fear and be confident. So when war, they destroyed it. But here's the second part. Not just war with Iran, but to detonate a nuclear bomb in Washington, D.C. I'm going to talk some more about this. I'm going to get some more about this. Dreams and visions. And again, real-life encounters. In the previous podcast, I shared one, one of the very many ways that God has put, sent me somewhere and I meet a person who tells me, yes, we are doing these things and this is how it's done. And they give me details so that I know it's not just visions that I'm having. I know this because I see them fulfilled all the time, come to pass, but also because even big things that have not yet happened, I've met people who were somehow party to the execution of these plans. So when Worley broke that, the nuclear bomb never happened in the late 80s. The war with Iran never happened. Now, around 2009, this Southern California pastor named Vincent Xavier, he gets the same kind of a message that the enemy's planning this for the month of October. And he starts praying and he starts warning people. Same thing, nuclear bomb in D.C., war with Iran. Now, recently, I've been seeing people talking about this same thing again. It's coming up somehow. The enemy's planted it. And it's, now, here's another vision I had. So Xavier, many of I, I was I was party to this prayer at that time as well, praying to break all these things, and it broke. We know this for sure because it never happened. But, you know, the devil gets around. He puts doubt in people's mind. Well, maybe you're just praying for nothing. Nah, no, nah, that's not what happened. So the enemy still wants, maybe they still have that plan on the drawing board, they want to pull it off somewhere. Now, here's a dream that I had some years ago. I don't remember the date. But I saw, this was after I had served in the Army. So it's after 2003, 2004. And I go to this Army field tent, and one of the soldiers I served with is there. And she's in this bed, and her eyes are covered. And what has happened is, I said, listen, I want you to confirm something for me that the Holy Spirit told me, but it's not anywhere in the news. I said, um, 
are you guys fighting against Iranians? She said, yes, we've engaged Iranians. She said, I said, she, I said, they're not telling anybody that back in the States. She said, that's what we thought, but we didn't know for sure. But we thought that they were lying about that. But someone was using chemical weapons against the soldiers, and it caused their eyes to burn, and they had to lay still and not move around. But after a few days, you know, less than a week, they could be recovered, they could heal. But they were using some kind of chemical weapons. So now on March 26th of 2013, I had this dream. I just see that there's a, a meeting in the Middle East. There's a big meeting somewhere. And after everybody leaves, they shake hands, they say everybody smiles, you know, oh, oh good, you know, good work. It's an agreement, it's a deal, or whatever, something. They shake hands. And then in this meeting representing Iran were some man of importance and a woman also who had some title. And when they leave the room and the doors close, the woman turns to the guy and she suddenly, instead of this very bold, smiling, energetic face, she has this look of concern and she says, Ooh. she said, I really don't think they expect, they suspect our real plans. The guy says, yeah, I don't think so either. So it's like they're lying and they're deceiving. I've seen similar plans about Vladimir Putin back in 2014 uh, before they eliminated him and replaced him with a collection, a gaggle of clones, Putin clones. So these Iranians, they're, they're saying, yeah, we, we just told them one story, but we're planning something totally different. The very next night, I have another dream. I see this bazaar. I recognize it as the type of a bazaar you find in the Middle East. A bunch of wooden tables, rickety, not, not anything of value. You just leave them out there overnight. There's a wind blowing. It's dry. It's, it's late in the evening. Everybody's taken their wares and gone home. But there are two men there. One's smoking a cigarette. And they're talking. And the first guy says, well, so it seems like we're going to have peace then. And the second man says, no, my brother is very high in the military, and he says that they're planning something. Same thing I was going to end up having a year later, living in Kiev. Vladimir Putin invades eastern Ukraine, and he goes to Belarus, and he says, oh, we hope there will be peace in Ukraine. That's all I want. And the Holy Spirit showed me that night, no, he's lying. I see him having these secret meetings with presidents of other countries planning things. I see that he's furious. He kicks this antique, expensive, centuries-old piece of furniture, kicks it across his office, yelling. He's furious. I had to make up a word. I call, what did I make up? A super narcissist, right? Egomaniacal narcissist. I forget. I made up this word. I looked at the Latin word for violent. But this guy was violent. He was violently angry, and he was so arrogant that he didn't get what he wanted in Ukraine, which was all of Ukraine in 2014 he wanted, that he couldn't, he couldn't take it. And sure enough, you know, after that dream, Putin called around, called a bunch of presidents, invited them to come to Moscow. The president of China politely declined. But some of the guys from Kazakhstan, president, he showed up. Lukashenko from Belarus, he probably came. I don't remember exactly, but he called around. After Minsk II was the same thing, Putin glad-handing. Oh, we want nothing more than peace for our 
you know, our old sister Ukraine, our good brother, our good friend Ukraine. The guy's lying. He's playing. Lying is a tactic. It's it's like almost the number one tactic in Russian military doctrine. Lie, lie, lie. Make the enemy think you're going left when you're going right. Make your enemy think you're retreating and pull him into a flanking maneuver. This is standard Russian military doctrine. Ukraine already is tired of it. Right now, right now, in late December 2022, Putin is saying, let's have talks. And the Ukrainians are saying, if you're saying that, you're preparing another attack. That's what we can know for sure, that you're definitely planning another attack, another offensive. Because that's what, you, that's what Hitler did as well, if you forget. That's what Saddam Hussein did before the first Gulf War, before uh, Desert Storm. They sent Madden Albright up there, and he said, oh, absolutely, no, we're, our tanks are just sitting there, you know, it's just training, military exercise. She comes back, don't worry, Saddam says it's all groovy. Next day, three days later, but very soon after he just said peace to Albright, they invade Kuwait and war in the Middle East. So this is a tactic. Now, Saddam Hussein, he learned a lot from the communist Russians. And apparently this is one of the tactics. Maybe an advisor gave him that exact plan. Just say it's all good and then invade after they go home. Now, the next part is going to make you take this uh, when Worley and Vincent Xavier prophecies about uh, nuclear war a little more seriously. I had a dream when I was in Philadelphia and I see there's this Russian base. And I see this meeting between some of the Russian officers, and they've found out that some of these other Russian officers who, who have recently left the army have decided that they're going to steal some nuclear weapons that are stored in this one building. So they bring in a guy who's like an expert in security, and they put him in charge of this thing. <clears throat> and... He knows this guy that supposedly wants to steal them. So the, the guy who's accused comes in. He says, listen, I just want to tell you that I'm not here to steal anything. I don't have any plans. I know they've got you all worried in this. He said, I just want to let you know. I just want to give you my word of honor that, you know, nothing like that's going to go down. I don't have any plans to do anything. I just want to put you at ease. Shakes the guy's hand, leaves. And then this guy leaves the room, and he's got the ID card for this guy who now is in charge of the whole base. And he uses that to access these nukes, and he loads up this huge... Um, you ever see those little little two-pronged uh, deals? It's hand work. It's, it's like a forklift that works by hand. You can pump it up. They often have them in the back storage area of a grocery store or something. And he's got one of these, and he's rolling out a bunch of square rectangular box things. You know, these big, heavy military shipping things that are padded with big buckles on them. He's got some of those all stacked up. Apparently, those were suitcase nukes. Because later, the Russians reported that they lost 10 of them. I've seen, since the, the first initial reports of 10, there have been other stories that say 20 or 30 or something. But this guy walks right past. The dream shows there's like some young cadets. They look like they might be... Uh, midshipmen or officer training corps or something, having a lunch at a couple tables there. Some other people see him and they think, well, that seems unusual. But because this guy is so confident in just walking out with this stuff, 
They don't say anything to him. It looks normal. And he's a high-ranking officer in uniform, so he just walks on by. The scene cuts to this lieutenant who used to work for this guy. He says, yeah, I know this guy. I know his characteristics. And they're driving this um, car down the road. He said, he said, there it is, there it is. It's that house right there. They said, how do you know it's this house? We know he's in this region, but why are you sure that it's this place? He said, because this guy was in a secret society, and they always change their yard and their details to identify themselves to each other. And I can see that this yard has recently been worked on. You see how the bushes are placed like this and the rocks are like this? He said, that's something he would do. This is where he is. And sure enough, they catch him, but the nukes are gone. Now I'm going to tell you the story. Now, now we're gonna, I'm going to cut you to a, a true story. 2007. I'm working for this. Uh, I'm working in engineering in California, and I know this guy, and he gets a contract, a consulting contract, to build a dairy farm right near Isfahan, Iran. And it's legal because it's through a German company. See, all these boycotting America, boycotting Iran, it just meant that America couldn't do business with Iran unless the contract was held by a foreign country. Then you could do consulting, which meant that some foreign country always got a cut of any work and meant that other countries did plenty of work with Iran, just not America. It just hurt the economics of the states the way they did it. So he goes there. He works for this German company as a consultant and they fly him to Iran to look at the site to and to figure out how they like to build, what are their building standards. And I ended up actually doing the engineering for this cow-holding building. And um, when he came back, this is the story he told me, that his carry-on flight that was supposed to fly him to this place uh, didn't go. They canceled it for some reason. So some of the people he was supposed to meet from this construction project team, they come out, they pick him up, and they drive him right past this nuclear site. And he says, oh, he says, I know I'm not supposed to be here. Is this okay that we're here? And they said, uh, don't worry about that. He said, yeah. He said, you know, the, the West, the media is all talking about, well, well, Iran wants to build nuclear weapons. And the guy says, well, who says, who says? And this is something about Iranians. If you've known a lot of Iranians, information is just public. Like this dream of the guy saying, well, no, my brother's in the military. He says they're planning something. Shouldn't that be something secure that only certain people know? Not in Iranian culture. People talk and people know things. I was in California in junior college during one of these gasoline uh, barrel oil price scares. And my Iranian calculus teacher told me, he said, oh, by the way, about this gasoline, don't worry. He said, in a few days, Iran will announce that they're going to release some more oil and the price will go down. And that's exactly what happened. This guy in California knew that. This is just something Iranian, culturally, they like to talk. They, like, they have a lot of pride about their country, and they talk about things, and information gets out. So this guy in the car, he tells the engineering consultant, he says, well, what makes you think we don't already have them, say, 10 nuclear weapons? And it's so curious that he gives this exact same number as the number I saw in the dream. Now, here's another thing that you may not know, is that when the Soviet Union collapsed, there were a lot of military intelligence officers arguing that it was a ruse, that it was a fake, that it was just to deceive people, put them off their kilter, get them looking the wrong way. 
you know, in the way that I mentioned earlier that Russian tacticians kind of devise a deception. All those missing scientists, if you remember back in the news, back in the late 80s, the early 90s, what happened to all these biochem warfare specialists? Where did those guys go? Well, we don't know. They tried to hire them, get them jobs somewhere else in the West to make sure that they weren't going to go for some rogue state. Well, Russia sent them all to Iran. All those guys that they never found, the Russians knew exactly where they were. Just like the Nazis after World War I, Germany trained their pilots in Russia. Suddenly they start war, and but their treaty at the end of World War I said you can't train pilots, you can only train a few. But they have hundreds of trained pilots. Where did that happen? Because they were preparing, but they were hiding their preparations for war by performing them in another country. And Russia didn't forget that lesson. They have all kinds of bioweapons labs in Iran, controlled by Russian scientists. They know exactly what they're doing. And probably Iran already has some nukes. So there's something to pray about for the protection of the United States, for the protection of the city of Washington, D.C., the innocent people who live there. Now, when I prayed about that years ago, Holy Spirit told me, said, they will do this on a new holiday so that their people will be out of town. Now, there is a new holiday in October. It used to be called Columbus Day, and they replaced it with a brand new holiday called Indigenous People's Day. So there is, when I had that, when I received that word back in 2009, did not exist on a new holiday. So their people will be out of town. Pray, my friends. This is Robert Avila, the man from Modesto, reminding you as always to pray or be defeated.